you do have that fear. Like you go to unlock the door for the first day and I just kind of stare at it like, is anybody going to walk through that door? And then you kind of have to shift your mindset from, is anybody going to walk through that door to how do I get somebody to walk through that door? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Screw It, Let's Do This podcast, a podcast where we interview entrepreneurs about their story. I'm your host, Shelby. And I'm your other host, Therese. And today... We have a very exciting guest. One of our friends, Laura. Laura! So I own Benablends, which is a smoothie and juice bar here on Madison's west side of town. So we offer smoothie bowls, smoothies, and then cold pressed juices, along with other little healthy grab and go items. Before we get into Benablends, can you take Mm -hmm. us all the way back to your hometown? Yeah. Tiscawa. (laughs) Tiscawa. Yeah. Shout out Tiscawa. I am from a super small town in Illinois, which is about three hours south of here. Um... But yeah, super small town, like 700 people. And when I say small, I mean like the type of small, there's no stoplights, a gas station, if we're lucky, comes and goes. Um, and What then, does that mean? <laughs> like the gas station? Okay, so like when I was growing up, it was a Casey's and then it would always be like a Saturday thing. We would go to Saturday church and pick up a Casey's pizza and take it home. But then Casey's left. So then we didn't have a gas station in town for a while. They couldn't handle the heat. Quick Trip was on its way. Please tell me. Quick Trip is nowhere near my hometown. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) We're like, okay. And I understand people from Wisconsin don't like Casey's. Like I get that Quick Trip is a thing around here, but the Casey's in Illinois are just like built different. So Casey's is like really good in Illinois. So that's like our thing. But yeah, so we had a gay gay station, (laughs) (laughs) a gas station, and then it left. And now we have another one. So, But yeah, so super small town. um, But I wouldn't have changed that for anything either. So it's just like a really great community. And I think that that's part of, I don't know, the background that I have now is coming from a community Now tell like me. Yeah, yeah. What was it like growing up with like not a stoplight? Like wh- what do you do? Because like, okay, that sounds weird. Like I, I can't even <laughs> picture what I would do. Like what do you do for fun? No, I get that. Like I remember one of the last times after we became friends that I went home and you checked my location and you sent me a text and you were like, I'm concerned about you. Like, you're at home, but what do you do? Because there's nothing around you. Um, So, like, growing up, we just were outside all of the time. Like, we definitely were the type of town where you have that neighborhood, like, bike gang, you know? So, we're all on our bikes, just riding around. We just come up with games. So, we'd play tennis ball tag, which is literally you just take a tennis ball and chuck it at people. (laughs) And if you get hit with it, tag, you're it. Like, hide the washcloth around town. We would take, literally, we would take, like, a washcloth and somebody, like, it'd be in different teams. And the team would have to go and, like, hide it in a tree or something. And then everyone gets on their bike and they ride around and you try to be the first one to find the washcloth hidden in the town. Like, that's how small it is. You can stand on one side of town and you can see the other. Oh, my god! Like, you can see all the way across town if you stand on our main street. So... I don't know. You just get creative. You find different things to do. There's also a crick that runs like literally right through. What? A crick? A crick. How about a creek? Oh, I, I feel like a creek. Cri- I feel like a crick a is crick? smaller than a creek. Just a small. <sighs> but it literally goes straight through my backyard. And the place that I went to daycare was right next door. So it went straight through there too. So all the kids that I went to daycare would with. swim home. We would. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Doggy paddle our way home. No, we would just hang out there. Try to catch like the tadpoles. Just walk up and down it. Try to find different things. Like I kind of know what the difference between a creek and a creek is. I'm, I'm telling you. I think it's like size. Or just where you're from. I don't know. Maybe that's just like the other small I honestly thing. thought that was just like made up in a movie. Like that no. people called something a crick. That's why. No, I'm, we. I always called it the crick. 
But I also call the woods the timber, and you don't let me (laughs) lift that one down either. We're going to have to dig into that one offline. But what I really (laughs) want to know is, so you're a business owner in Madison now. You come from a small town, Tiskawa. So what happened in between and what led you to start your business? And specifically, you moved to Madison to start your business, which I think is the craziest thing of all, to be honest. And we can dig into that more later. But like, where'd you go to school? What'd you go to school for? Like, why the smoothie business? Yeah. So... I would say that like the smoothie business found me. I didn't really like go out looking to start a smoothie shop by any means. But so yeah, grew up in Tiskawa. And then when college was rolling around, I went to Iowa State University. Go Cyclones. Um, <laughs> Cyclones. Don't make that face. <laughs> um, but yeah, went to Iowa State and I studied communications there. But I declared my major at like the last second. Like I've never known what I wanted to do growing up. Like you hear people like even you, Shelby, like you grew up and you always wanted to have a bakery. Like you've always had a passion for food. Like those are things that you guys have just always had. I grew up not having an idea in the world. It's like what I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. Um, And I think part of that is like the small town thing. Like we didn't see a whole bunch of variety in careers, you know. So I always thought I was going to be a high school guidance counselor. Like, I was sure that that's what I was going to be. But well, you're just incredible at crunching numbers. So like, where did that come from? <laughs> the fact that you think I'm so good with numbers. <laughs> you are. You are. I remember someone's like, I do. OK, I really like math. So like earlier when I was saying that, like, I definitely am not really a history girl and I'm not a science girl. Like, I just don't know those topics or I can enjoy them. I've always loved math until I got to pre-calc. Then I hated math. But I've always liked math. So I've always just been good with numbers. Um, and my dad is too. So I don't know if I like get that from him or whatever, but I don't know. I've always liked that, but I never wanted to like study math or like do anything numbers related. So I went to school undecided because I had no idea what I wanted to do. And then I was taking all of my gen ed courses. And then my career advisor, like it literally got to like the last semester that I could declare major. They were like, you have to choose or you're going to be here extra time. And they were like, all of your classes are leading towards communication studies. Do you like these classes? And I was like, yeah, I do like those classes. They're like, great, that's your major. So I studied communications, having no idea like what I was going to do with that even. Um, But then it came time to graduate. And I also knew I just wanted to get out of the Midwest since I had grown up in small town Midwest and then went to school at Iowa State. I was like, I just want to leave the Midwest for a bit. So I landed on becoming a recruiter because I felt like that was going to be a good job to be able to help people, like pair people with a job that they needed and kind of make a difference that way. Because I knew I wanted to feel like I was helping people in one way or another with whatever I did. And then my career advisor again was like, I think you should do recruiting. So I got a job with a nationwide recruiting firm. And then I got to choose like which office across the nation I wanted to go to. And Nashville was on that list. So I was like, oh, I want to go. Wait, what were the other options? Just like out of curiosity. Like Kansas City. There was one in South Carolina. I could have like done Chicago if I wanted to stay more Midwest. But out of all of them, Nashville was the one where I was like, oh, I think I might want to do that because I just love music. I've always been a big music Country girl. Country girl. (laughs) (laughs) I need to hear about your time in Nashville. And I wore this Luke Combs shirt in your honor. Thank you. Because you're such a big Luke Combs fan. So am I. Um, but Luke, I, if you see this, you know, well, Luke, if you see this, I'll see you in March, <laughs> April, April, <laughs> April in Milwaukee, pit tickets. Woo. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I had tickets and I can no longer go. Anyways, I want you to share with the crowd. We can make this and tag Luke. Um, what was your run in with him? Oh my gosh. I ate burgers with Luke Combs. 
and talk about it. Because people that like Luke Combs will think this is a very cool story. And if you don't, it's I don't care. I like it. So I was working in Nashville and my coworker and I decided to go out for burgers after work one day. So we're at Jack Brown's and they're set up for seating as like little picnic tables. And they're pretty close to each other. So it's like just enough to kind of walk in between them. And I'm sitting with my back to the door and my coworker, her face just like drops and her eyes get so big. And she looks at me and she's like, LB, that's what they called me in the corporate world was LB. But she's like, LB, I need you to not freak out. And I was like, what? She's like, Luke Combs just walked in. And I was like, what? Oh, no. You what? got the sweat. And I was like, can I look? She was like, no, you can't look. Like, you have to be cool. Like, play it cool. And then she goes, oh, my God, they're walking over here. And I was like, no, they're not. She was like, they're coming this way. She's like, just stay calm. Because she knew how much I loved him. And like, just oh, have been or like have been a big fan for a long time. But so she's like, you got to play it cool. They sit down at the picnic table right next to us. So like I literally could have reached my hand out like this and touched him. Did you? Like he was right there. No. Did you say anything? <laughs> no, I didn't oh, say anything. The fact that you didn't you say live, anything. Bro, when you live in Nashville, it's kind of that thing. Like if you happen to see someone, you just got to like let them live their life. Like they're there just living too. So oh we just did God. it. I wouldn't have. Shelby would have been like, can I get a selfie? When I <laughs> left, like, can it was you say crazy. Go Miggies on Instagram. Like I would have <laughs> made well, it a marketing And he moment. wasn't even like as big then. I mean, like he was obviously still super well known. Like hurricane like all of that had already come out but he wasn't as big as he is right now but yeah that was crazy but she was like she was like okay now you can look so I'm like <laughs> I, <laughs> I was like couldn't stop Bang. looking over there but then it was one of those things like I couldn't stop thinking about the fact that he was sitting right next to me while we were talking so she would like ask me a question I'd be like in you my brain choked. I'm like Luke Combs is right next you to me you could have choked and like fallen on the ground oh yeah, my gosh but yeah so that's my Nashville my Nashville celeb experience. So did you love Nashville? Why'd you move back? Um, Nashville was like a vacation for me. Like I always say that that was like a two-year vacation. So I was there for just under two years. Um, and it was a ton of fun. I loved being there, but it never felt like somewhere that I was going to stay. Like even from the day that I moved there, I think I always knew deep down that I wasn't going to be there for forever. Um, it was just too big city, I think, for me. I think coming from such a small town, I've never been really like a city girl. Um, I like the small town, small community feel to places. I just felt like that was harder to find in Nashville overall. But um, I had my corporate job there. So I was working there and I hated my corporate job too. So I think my Nashville experience overall could have been different if I wasn't working 60 plus hours in a job that I hated. Were you in the office every day? Yeah. I think once I got promoted to sales, I think I got like one day where I could work from home, but I was, yeah, in the office pretty much all day, every day. So when did smoothies become of deep interest to you? Yeah. So like I said, I hated my corporate job and I just knew I couldn't stay there. I lasted like eight months in the corporate world or like in the recruiting world. And people always say you can like double your time when you're in staffing. So like if you lasted six months in staffing, that's the equivalent of lasting a year. So like if I was there for eight months, it's closer to like a year and a half that I was in that but I just needed to leave. Like I hated everything about it, the job, the management, like the only thing I liked were a majority of my coworkers. Um, so I was really kind of at that crossroads of just hating <laughs> my life, like day in and day out. Were you crying every day or no? I'm not really like a big crier. Oh, per so, perfect. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? you can totally relate to that. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I'm not really like a big crier, but I just would feel like so exhausted and emotionally defeated, like 
every day. So it's like I just had a constant like emotional headache, I think, like all day, every day at work. But yeah, I just knew that I needed to leave that job. And then I got the most random opportunity to learn about the smoothie and juice bar industry. So one of my friends had a friend who was working in the industry and she had come to visit into Nashville one weekend and she wanted me to open like a franchise location for her store. So I met that girl on a Saturday. She was like, I want to open one of these here. And my friend goes, Laura will do it. I was like, Laura will do what now? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm not going to just quit my job and go do that. And she was like, well, think about it. You already hate your job. You want to go find something different. Like I had already been toying around with different ideas to do um, or to like try out. So she was like, what do you have to lose? Like, you might as well just go give it a shot. And I said, I guess when you put it that way, like, you're not wrong, you know? So I said to the girl, I was like, are you serious about this? And she was like, yeah, I am. Are you? And I said, I mean, I need to think about it a little bit. Definitely need to call my mom. But yeah, I mean, like, it's definitely something I'm interested in. So I met that girl on a Saturday, quit my job on Thursday, booked a flight to New York, and then went and lived in New York for a month to work in the smoothie and juice bar industry. Oh, my gosh. Dog. So that's kind of <laughs> how it all, like, came about, like, the whole smoothie concept to begin with. It just totally came out of left field. And I was just at such a crossroads of hating what I was doing so much and finding something that I even thought was, like, remotely interesting. So it was like, really, what do I have to lose? What was it like in New York? Because I can't imagine, like— I mean, Nashville is a big city, right? Yeah. But like New York, when you think of New York, it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So we weren't in like New York City. We were in a suburb of New York. So I never even like went into the city. You never went in? No. Okay. Oh. So when I tell you that like I went to New York and I worked for a month like in the smoothie and juice bar industry, all I did was work in that smoothie shop. Like at their shop. They yes. had one shop. Yep. At one shop. So we would literally like wake up, go into the shop, work at the shop all day, get done, do computer work, admin work, planning stuff, go to bed, wake up, go to Did the Did you live shop. at their house? I lived with, yeah, like literally like in the same bed, just like had sleepovers with this girl like every night. <laughs> so after a month of working at their smoothie shop, learning a ton of things from them, what happened next? Yeah. So kind of throughout that month, I think it was just becoming clear to me that there's two different ways to do business. And there's a type of business where you're going to go through and you're going to try to undercut everybody and like step on them to get yourself ahead. And then there's the type where you're going to like build an honest business and put your own work and effort behind it to try to make it what it is. And I felt like I was on this side of wanting to build it on my own. And they were on the side of they're going to try to sneak around and undercut everyone to like make themselves look better. And I didn't feel comfortable with that. So at the end of the day, I just said, I'm going to be miserable again in three months. Like they're looking for someone that's going to just like sit down and do what they're told and not really have the ability to grow this with them and give input. And I didn't want that. Like, I wanted to be able to be a part of the team that could grow things and push things forward. So then you're like, all right, peace out, ladies. Or did you, like, sneak away in the night? And Yeah. <laughs> like, kind of came down to... I think it was, at the end of the day, like, a mutual thing, too. Like, I think they realized that I wanted to be more involved than they were going to let me be. So then that was causing some issues. So... Like every time I would ask a question and I would be asking fair questions. So like after I left New York, I still left after that month with the intention of opening a franchise. And again, even the communication past Nashville, the more I was learning, the more uncomfortable I felt going into business um, with that company. But everybody that I had partnered with down in Nashville, since I had no business background, I was working with like the SBDC, I mean, the you know, business entrepreneurship type of classes to try to get myself 
set up. And everybody that I partnered with as a mentor was like, you need to just do this on your own. And I would tell them the questions and like the situations that were happening with those girls. And they would be like, that's not right. Like, it shouldn't be like that. They should be willing to help you. Like, you're really putting your neck on the line for these people. And they're not willing to even answer your most basic questions. It's like, you should just go do this on your own. I said, you're crazy. I'm never going to go do this on my own. Um, But then things finally came to a head. Like we had one phone call, like a conference call with me and those two girls. And I remember I had a list of questions and they were kind of like my non-negotiables. I was like, if I can't get clear, supportive answers on these questions, I'm walking away. Um, And I asked a couple of different questions. And the one business partner was just like hounding me the entire call. Like I was obviously frustrating them too, because I wasn't just the type of person that was going to sit down and shut up. Like I wasn't the type of person that was just going to do whatever they said and not ask any questions. Like they wanted me to do something. I was going to be like, okay, like why? Or like, why do I have to handle things that way or whatever? Like just weird situations. So I think after that call, we all just kind of knew that it wasn't going to be a good fit. And so then we basically just kind of stopped talking. You never even said, hey, we're out. I'm out. Yeah. I don't know that there was like an official thing of like, we're not doing this. Like I think it just kind of like fizzled out (laughs) from there. So you're back in Nashville. You're like, yeah, this is not going to happen. So how do you how do you pivot then? Yeah. So then I was really like once I decided to not do that, I was at an even bigger crossroads than I was when I hated my corporate job because I was like, I just found what I truly love. Because even though I was working now easily, like in that smoothie shop, I was working 70 to probably 80 hours a week, like doing stuff for that shop. And it didn't feel like I was working at all. Like it was crazy to me. I just loved every day. Um. And so I'd really fallen in love with that. And so then I said, okay, well, I've really fallen in love with this concept, but now I'm not doing a franchise. There's no way I'm doing it on my own. What am I going to do? Like, what now? Um, And I started looking into other options. Like I said, I've always loved music. And just Nashville is obviously the place if I ever wanted to do anything music-related. Not singing. I can't (laughs) sing. But like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, as a manager, like, just something or like work for a record label, like, anything kind of music related. So I started looking at different jobs and just like doing different things. I was driving Lyft in the meantime. I love that story. Yeah. I, I, that was something I didn't learn until like years after yeah, that. Yeah, later. But yeah, like in the meantime, I was driving for Lyft. I think I just like need to tell more people that because yeah. I think that that's the type of thing as an entrepreneur that people don't always see or like hear about. But that's what I was doing to try to figure things out because I knew I needed to make money and I knew I needed flexibility. So started driving for Lyft, was doing that in the background. And then... One day, I just like, I couldn't drop the smoothie shop thing. I was like, I just, I loved it so much. And I really felt like that's what I was supposed to do. Like, that's what my gut was like kind of telling me was, this is it. Like, you just fit with this. This is such a good thing for you. So I just kept thinking about it one day. And then I'm not kidding. Like, the name Benna Blends like popped into my mind as I was going to bed one night. It was like Benna Blends. And it was like blends for a benefit. And I was like, what if I built a smoothie shop that cut out all of the extra bad things that go into a typical blend, like a lot of places that you go to are going to be ice and powder based, loaded with extra sugars, fillers, all that kind of stuff. I was like, what if I cut that out? So I made an actual healthy product that was good for people and tasted better than the other places. But then that also gave back to the community. So like, what if I added a donation aspect into that, where I gave back to different organizations that were combating chronic illness? And so then I just started looking into like all of the research. And I was researching more about chronic illness, learned that the seven major chronic illnesses are seven of the 10 leading causes of death in the U.S. 
So then I realized how prevalent chronic illness was not only in my life, especially at the time, but like in everybody else's life. Like I had lost and was in the process of losing a lot of family members to different chronic illnesses. And so then it was, I knew it was hitting home to me. So I said, what if, like, that's obviously hitting home for a lot of other people too. So what if I kind of incorporated all of that? And then I got so excited. Like I could feel that excitement building in myself again of like, I think that's it. I think that's how I get myself to do this on my own, even though I thought I never could or would. If I get up and I do something every day that's at the benefit of someone other than just me, I think I can get myself to work for that. So wow, you have this idea yeah. one night in bed. You're like, thinking in your head. Yeah. You call your mom. Yeah, obviously I call my mom. I call my mom about I know. We love her. Yeah. What do your parents say? What are, what, because that's scary. Like you have no business background. Totally. You're going to the SBDC like, help. I have no background. Help I have no idea what I'm doing. What do you do? Like I can't imagine. Yeah. What do you do then? Yeah. So the first phone call that I made to my mom when I even thought about quitting corporate and going and even checking out that first smoothie shop, that was definitely like a little bit of a nerve wracking call because I run it by my mom. I say, I think I'm going to quit my job. She's like, well, that doesn't surprise me. You've been miserable for months. She's like, but what are you going to do? And I said, well, <laughs> said, I think I'm going to go and check out the smoothie shop. And I explained the whole thing to her. Um, and she was like, you know what, Laura, like, I'm not going to say it doesn't scare me. She said, but you're also, I mean, at that time I was 22. She said, you're also at a point in your life, like you're not married. You don't have kids. You have enough time. Like if you go and you try this and for whatever reason, if it doesn't work out, you're not out a ton. You know what I mean? Like you can still start over. You could still start an entirely different career five years from now and still have a really great established career in something. So I just said, I just feel like this is one of those things that if I don't go and at least check it out, I'm always going to wonder what if. And I am just not a what if girl. Like if I feel like there is something that I'm going to question down the road that says what if, I have to at least give it a try. Because I just, I can't live with myself that way. Like if I know that there's something I want to try and there's a what if behind it, I have to at least try it to figure it out. So I said that to her and she was like, yeah, I totally get that. Like if you're going to have that what if, you have to go check it out. Question. Yeah. Was your dad like, did he give any input? So that's where, (laughs) yeah, I was going to go to next. So that was my mom's take. (laughs) And I talked to her about it and I was like, I'm going to have to tell dad about this, aren't I? (laughs) And she was like, "Uh, yeah, like he's definitely going to need to know. So I think I talked to him either later that night or the next day. I had called both of them back. And so she was like, oh, Laura has something to tell you. And I told him and he wasn't mad. He just was definitely more shook about all of it because I mean they also grew up in the time where like you don't quit a job without having another one lined up and like financial security is something that you have to have and neither of my parents came from like super like rich families or anything you know what I mean like they've always had to work really hard for anything that we've had so I think that that scared him the most he's like what do you mean you're quitting a job without having another one for sure lined up Let's get our dads on the horn. Yeah, yeah right. Be friends. My yeah. dad was not happy. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, but I think that was then oh. the last one you said you didn't tell your dad for months. Yeah, yeah. I it, I did a couple weeks for my dad. Yeah, but yeah, it's kind of funny how they all. Are they yeah, kind of just like again, yeah, just super nervous and kind of worked up about it. But then I said the same thing like to my dad. I said, Dad, like I have been miserable for months in this job. And when I said that, like he just kind of broke down himself. And, like, got really emotional about it. And he's like, you know, Lorca, like, you really oh, haven't been. Such a middle name. He was like, 
you really haven't been yourself. Like you haven't been my girl for the last few months. Like every time he's like, I can just see it in you. And like, I can hear it in you. Like anytime I hear you talking about like to your mom or whatever, like you're not full of as much like life and energy and everything is like you always have been. He's like, so if this is going to help put you back on track, like then you need to do it. So your dad, my dad said, <laughs> I cried every day. I called my dad. He goes, get back in there. You got to make it a year. I'm like, I can't. Yeah. Dude, I'm trying to think what my, what my dad said when I quit. He went, just keep your nose above water. That's what he said. <laughs> keep your nose above water. He's like, we're not supporting you. So keep your nose above water. He's like, as long as you can support. And then he was in. And then your dad probably sees what you're doing now. I feel like all yeah. dads Oh, yeah. Like, so it's like, and that's where I, I know I'm really lucky because I do have such a great community around me between like, even before you guys came in is like such a great business community and now friend community. Like, because I came to Madison, again, not knowing any of you guys or knowing anybody in the business world or anything, but I've always been very lucky. And the friends that I've had along the way from like high school to college, and then my family has always just been supportive. Like it might have taken them a minute to kind of grasp what I was doing. But they also know that I've always been the type of person if I say I'm going to do something, like pretty much come hell or high water, I'm going to get it done. So like they just know that they kind of need to jump on board and support me in whatever way they can because I can't just drop stuff. I literally, I think you have more friends than anyone I know. <laughs> I'm not even joking you. Yeah, you really Every stay connected. Weekend, you're like, oh, I got Sue and Bob from... <laughs> Sue and Bob. I don't know, North Dakota coming in. And I'm like, who are they? You're like, oh, my friends from when I lived in the Great Smoky Mountains in 2015. <laughs> like, you just have the most random things. And then you're like, oh, I'm bringing them to Miggy's. And I'm like, oh, there's 10 of them. Like, yeah. you always, like next weekend, you're going up to the Timber for a birthday I'm party. I'm not and, going to the Timber. You said that Minnesota. I'm going to literally Minneapolis. <laughs> oh. I just, you have more friends than anyone I know. I just, I feel like I'm, I don't know, lucky. Like, I'm one of I them. Have really so great, I, I love it. I just have like a lot of good people that I've come across. And they're also the type of people that just put in that effort. You know, I think that, that we just all mutually put in effort. Long distance friendships are hard. And I do have a lot of them, but. I don't know. I find the right people that we just kind of put in the effort and they travel. Yeah. Literally, <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. So you have smoothies stuck in your mind. You have this business concept, this mission, this like reason to work every day. So what brings you here? So I actually for sure thought I was going to open the smoothie shop in Nashville. Like when I first decided on Benna Blends, I was working on my business plan for Nashville, talking with banks in Nashville, whole nine yards. Um, but like I said, I was driving for Lyft and paying Nashville rent and just driving for Lyft is not a way to get a business funded, especially at 22. So I knew I was going to need to move back home. And that was, again, another really hard phone call to my mom because um, my bank account was just dwindling faster than I could keep it stacked up. Um, so I called her and I was crying and I was like, I think I need to come home. She said, well, of course you can come home. So I move home between Thanksgiving and Christmas of 22. Wait, the pandemic, the panini. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to come on here and say the panini. Um, but the fall before the panini struck, so like 2019, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I moved back home, um, full intentions of, again, going back to Nashville to start it up. And I said, I'll be back in Nashville with a storefront open by spring of 2020. You move quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just like, sure, because at that point, I already had the business plan. I had all that kind of stuff set up. Um, so I moved back home to save the money and then obviously the world shut down. So then I was living at home, thank goodness, honestly, during the panini. And I actually ended up losing both of my grandmas within a matter of just a few months. 
throughout that first stretch of the panini. Um, and after I lost my first grandma and I was at home, like with my family, I had actually the night before she passed away, I had been with my cousin and her husband in their like hometown. So I stayed the night with them and it was the grandma that my cousin and I share. So we actually woke up and found that news out together. But then I had a 45 minute drive home and the entire drive home. I was just sobbing. Like I just could not stop crying. Um, and all I could think was, thank God I'm not in Nashville. Thank God I'm not in Nashville because I couldn't have imagined being an eight hour drive away or being stuck there until I could get the next flight out. Um, so then that really kind of made me reconsider, do I want to go this far away from family? Do I really want to go back? You know what I mean? Like I'd finally gotten to my groove in Nashville. Like I'd found a great group of friends. I was really enjoying everything down there, but was that enough to get me to go back and like start this business that far away? From my support system. And I've always loved Wisconsin for kind of no reason. <laughs> like every time I just would come and be in the Madison area or Wisconsin in general, like drive through or whatever, loved it. it like I just to do that. had like a peaceful feeling every time I would be here. I'd be like, I just really want to live here one day. I just want to be here. Like this is where I feel like I am supposed to live someday. So I would always tell people like, oh, I'm going to go here for a couple of years, but I'll end up in Madison. Like I'll end up in Wisconsin. Like there was no doubt in my mind that this was my end game at some point. But then throughout the pandemic, Panini, um, and like losing both my grandmas, I said, if I keep saying that I want to go there someday, like I might as well just go do it type of a deal. So I really thought about it. I did my business plan for Madison, made sure that the business would be viable and like actually worked out. So that's where my number numbers come in. Yeah. You I did found, a bunch of research. Like you found your space, your location, brick and mortar mm -hmm. before you ever even... Correct. Yeah. He came here based off well, numbers. I didn't find like the actual retail brick and mortar before I came up here. I just knew which part of town I wanted to open up in before I ever came. Okay. Yeah. So I looked at a whole bunch of demographic data and I know, you know, I knew who my target market was. So I said, where's my target market? Like, where is it more centrally located? So then I looked at all the zip code tabulations, all the breakdowns, like everything, and then put it together to find the Middleton area. Man, I didn't know my target market until like two and a half years into my <laughs> business. It's like, oh, those are the people that are buying. <laughs> that are actually buying. But yeah, so once I realized that the business would work in Madison, and then when I realized how little there was for smoothie competition around here for such a health-oriented city, I was like, that's ridiculous, honestly. Like the need in the market speaks for itself. So then I felt comfortable and confident in making it work up here. So decided to change it all for Madison. Then the pandemic led up, started loosening up a little bit. So I moved February of 2021 to Madison and then opened the storefront December of 2021. So got here and just Wow. Wow. What did you do in the meantime while you were up here? Were you driving for Lyft still? No. So I didn't drive for Lyft once I left Nashville. Um, that's kind of another crazy thing that just kind of really fell into my lap that worked out for me. So when I was moving back home, I knew I was still going to need a job. So I applied at the school that my mom worked at. They needed like a teacher's assistant. So I was like, okay, well, set schedule. I'd still be able to work on my business plan, all that kind of stuff. So I interviewed for it. Obviously, the principal is someone that I've known since I was like a kid, <laughs> since it's such a small town. Um, and I interviewed with her and she's like, you know, I'd love to offer you the job. But if you're not sure that you're going to be here until the end of the school year, I need to offer it to somebody else. And she goes, also, I just think you're going to hate it. <laughs> She's like, I think you're just not going to enjoy it. Like, based off of what you want to do, I think you're not going to enjoy this position. She said, but I have a brother-in-law who owns his own company, actually, within the recruiting world. And I think that he has something that you might be interested in. 
So she connected me with him. And it turns out that they wanted to open a brick and mortar storefront in Princeton, the town that I went to high school in. Um, and so they were looking for someone that would find a storefront, go through the construction build out, work on all of the marketing and get the staffing like office set up in my hometown. So it's like, you literally want to pay me to have all the experience that I don't have. So I ended up doing that. What? The? And then that was a remote based company. But so that was a cool experience. I actually got to go to Arizona and then I got to give this entire presentation to their board of directors, an entirely male, like 40 plus year old crowd of directors or whatever for this company and pitch this pilot project. So that's what I did, like all in the background throughout COVID. Well, because we signed up or like I got that job prior to COVID really happening. So then all of my work moved to remote work since the storefront wasn't able to work. I ended up like getting that storefront set up and opening before I came up here to Madison. And then I just worked remote for them until things were far enough along with Beneblens that I just couldn't keep up with both anymore. I think like one of the most interesting parts of the story, because I've heard like your story before, but today what I'm thinking about is like how long the process actually took from the time you're like, oh, I think I want to start a smoothie business to the time you actually sold your first own smoothie yeah. was a, like over a year, like a year and a half. Oh, closer to like two years, probably. Yeah. Like two and a half. The instant gratification to me would, I don't know if I could have held out because like I yeah. would have thought I could jump ship at any point and pretend this never happened. Like mm -hmm. from the time I decided to start my business to the time I sold my first product was like three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, how did you hold out your great, your confidence in yourself to like keep doing that without like reassurance from like customer? You know, I know that you guys have felt this too of like those really tough times when you're like thinking about starting a business or you have your business and it's really tough. And anytime I would reach a point in the process where I'm like, things just are not going my way. And you second guess, is this what I should be doing? I would say, okay, Laura, like let your mind play the game. You decide to not do the smoothie shop. What are you going to do? What are you going to do instead? <laughs> what are you going to do instead? And I just kept asking myself that. And I would go through and I would literally like Google different careers or whatever. And the counselor thing, like the guidance counselor thing kind of kept coming back around. But every time I would think about going to school again, I'm like, I cannot Ugh. get myself to go to school again. Ugh. So I just would play that game. I would say, okay, you don't want to do this or like this is really hard right now. What are you going to do instead? And I never had a better answer. I never found something that was more exciting or felt like what I should do more than the smoothie business. <laughs> so then I would push ahead. But I did also like constantly, I would talk to my friends and family about it or like they would ask me questions. I'd be like, isn't this crazy? Like what I'm doing? Like hoping kind of like deep down hoping somebody would tell me like, yeah, actually kind of insane. You have no business background. You probably shouldn't do that. And I'd be like, you're right. Thanks for snapping me out of that one. Nobody ever said that. <laughs> Nobody ever said that. So you end up moving to Madison. You're like, yep, I love Madison. I love everything about it. You decide to come here. What do you do leading up to opening? Like what, what steps do you take? Yeah. So when I moved here in February, I was still working remote for that, for Broadpath, for that job that I was in. And so then I started just the entire process of getting in touch with a broker, finding a retail space, getting the loan, doing the build out, all that kind of stuff. I was just going to say, one of the things that I remember is like you putting me and Shelby into a chat yeah. in December yeah. and you're like, hi, I'm starting a smoothie business. I'd love to get together. I felt like that was part of your strategy. It's like you were, well, not part of your strategy. You like had your business, your storefront, you're doing your thing. And then it's like, well, now I have to, I need to network or whatnot. So actually I didn't like reach out to you guys in like the hopes of networking. Oh. Like I wasn't searching for business people. I wasn't like 
searching for more Madison friends at the time. I was in such the thick of the build out happening. And I was going to bed one night and I pull up Facebook and there's this Channel 3000 article on the two of you. (laughs) And it's these two 20 somethings, you know, quit their corporate job to go start their own businesses. (laughs) And I couldn't believe what I was reading. (laughs) I was like, stop. Like there's two other girls my age that are also starting businesses. Like what are the chances of that? You know, because I really didn't know that many people in Madison still. So then to find other people that had at least similar career mindsets as me that were also my age, I couldn't believe it. So, yeah, I looked up both of your Instagrams, creeped on you guys a little bit. And I was like, I think I could be friends with them. (laughs) (laughs) So then that's where I did what apparently everyone does. And yeah, I Instagram DM'd the both of you guys together and was like, hey, I just moved to Madison. I'm starting a smoothie shop, like would love to get dinner or something sometime. You were reaching out and we were, I remember we had a conversation and at the time we were getting lots of people reaching out to us like, oh, do you want to get dinner? Do you want to do this? And we were both kind of like, oh, like, I don't know. I feel like we just kind of, but you sent us more messages. I you were think, really persistent. You were I think persistent. I followed up because you guys had you said did. something and I got nothing back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got nothing back. I think like the first time I sent you guys a message and then I was like, okay, well now I need to send that awkward like, if not, like, <laughs> oh, totally fine. So, I just, <laughs> totally fine. I feel totally like fine. your confidence is like, it, it. you're super confident. I just, I tend to think like, what do I have to lose? Like, I already didn't know you guys. So it's not like I was at the risk of like losing friendships. I still felt like all I had to gain was still like a friend. You know what, what I mean? Who like would know what was going on. How do we on. meet each other? So I followed up again and I was like, totally get it. If not, like, I'm sure you guys are super busy, but like, I would still love to, or like if dinner is too much, like whatever. I sent some sort of follow-up message like that. And then Therese responded and was like, yeah, I think we could set something up. I know Shelby's really busy right now (laughs) covering up your dark December (laughs) moments. But so then we ended up setting up dinner and we went to Gloria's, Mm -hmm. like at the building right next to where the smoothie shop is. And then you showed me the shop. And then I I took her to the shop afterwards. And she was like, oh my God, this girl's. (laughs) <laughs> legit yeah yeah oh my gosh because like I literally opened Bena Blends and we weren't even friends enough like that I would have expected you guys to come or like check it out or anything you know yeah so but then we went we fell in love with the CPB bowl and the rest was history <laughs> the blueberry <laughs> pie bowl yeah <laughs> we fell in love with the bowls and yeah. Laura so <laughs> but yeah so that's kind of like leading up you guys just kind of fell into my lap same thing like I just saw that article and I was like no way so then reached out so a couple of weeks after I met you, you had had your grand opening. So can you, I mean, that was December, freezing cold Wisconsin. You open up a smoothie shop. So like, what was it like doing that? I mean, at that point, you're up to your eyeballs in debt. You're starting this business. Like, how do you get people in the door in the middle of winter in a new city? Yeah, obviously it was not necessarily my ideal to open in the middle of winter. So the nerves were definitely there. And I guess I was just relying on the numbers, like the business plan that I put together that people would actually come through the door. Like I had that initially, but you do have that fear. Like you go to unlock the door for the first day and I just kind of stare at it like, is anybody going to walk through that door? And then you kind of have to shift your mindset from, is anybody going to walk through that door to how do I get somebody to walk through that door? I think I'm in general pretty lucky. Like I opened up, had a soft opening for about a week before I had the grand opening And even through that soft opening week, people just kind of pretty subtly came through the door. Like I was just under my break-even point within the first week, which I feel so lucky and like thankful for because that's not how it goes for every business. And I know that. But again, I think I found the right community or the right part of town. And I found the need that was needed there. So people found it and then they came in. But 
I had to work a lot on my marketing skills. Again, no business background. So I didn't really know the best ways to get people in the door. So I was running all of your standard things like Instagram ads. I mean, social media was huge for me overall. But then I was also going and like physically dropping off coupons at places. And I would also pop up in the community. Tasting so events. I would go, yeah, samples, tasting baby. events. That was one of my biggest things and still is one of my biggest drivers to get people in our doors is that I will go out into the community to local gyms or health-oriented places or businesses in general, set up a little tasting table and give people free samples of smoothies and our energy bites with little coupons on the table. So people get to actually try the product realize that they like it, it's really tasty, tell them about the business, and then they have a coupon as something to bring them back into the door. So I was doing that leading up to the opening. So I think that that helped me for sure were marketing efforts like that. But yeah, we had just steady business, I would say kind of throughout that first winter, and then spring and summer rolled around and it turned into a whole different ballgame. So our sales... Obviously, people want smoothies more when it's nice weather like that. So that helped us in general. But then I was also getting the hang of marketing and doing more of those pop-up events and putting more effort into that side of things. So then I was getting more people in. But it's been really fun. I mean, even watching it grow that first year, I mean, it grew kind of just like you would want a business to. And now I'm thankful for that kind of slower period and opening in the winter because I had so much stuff I had to figure out. I mean, you can only prepare so much. To open a store, but you learn the most when you actually have it open and are rolling through your days. So we had a lot of kinks in the system to work out. So I'm glad that we had that slower period to do that. And then it started building, like I said, just kind of like you would want a business to. So it started growing just kind of steadily. And now the second year has yet again been just a whole other ball game. I mean, watching this year compared the second year compared to year one has been insane. Wow. Did you have employees when you opened? I had some employees, yes. Um, I think at that point, I had a total of like four employees and then me. So at that point, like when we opened, I was working from about 6.30 a.m. until about 8.30 p.m. Monday through Sunday for about three months until COVID knocked me out. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Got taken out. I did. Over the first two years of business, what have been your biggest struggles? I think staffing has been and will continue to be probably one of my biggest struggles, just finding the right people. I've gotten a lot better at that, but just keeping a good, strong staff, I think has been one of the biggest struggles. And that feeling of if somebody from the staff doesn't step up to the plate, I have to. Like it all comes back to me at the end of the day. And I think overarching, that just is the hardest part of owning your own business. Like it is me at the end of the day. Like it is up to me to make any of it happen. Like I can try to rely on other people and have them do the job or trust them to do this or that, but they're going to get sick. Something's going to happen. They have to leave. Like anything like that, it all comes back to me at the end of the day, which is definitely, I think, one of the harder parts. Um, And then I think it's just such an emotional whirlwind. I think the fact that I'm kind of making it up as I go along can be really hard. And as great as it is to be the one calling the shots, it's also really hard. And I don't always yeah. call the right shots. I sometimes call things wrong. And so then I'm left to learn from my mistakes, Man. you know, which is like a great way to learn. But <laughs> who wants to make a mistake, especially when it comes to your business? So I just want someone to tell hard. me what to do sometimes. But instead, like, I just tell myself every day and it's like, oh, yeah, another day. I've decided. It's good and bad. Yeah, good and bad for sure. So now what's next? You're you're coming up on two years. Business is booming. It's going in the direction you want. How are you? Going into year three. 
Yeah. So people ask me all the time to like, one, come to the east side, open other locations. People stop in all the time. Oh, is this a franchise? Oh, like you should be a franchise, all that kind of stuff. So I've really been trying to figure out, you know, over especially within year two, seeing the growth that we've had, what is the next step? And the answer is a second storefront in Verona. Yay! Oh my gosh. So, Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, definitely. So I'll be opening up Beneblend's Verona. So my second little business baby um, in the spring of 2024. So, so Verona, for those who aren't in Madison, it's like 20 minutes from Middleton? Not even, no. like 15. 10, 15. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm thinking about where my house is, though. I don't know if it's any closer, but it's fine. <laughs> I'll make the rounds. I'll make the rounds. So... Yeah, like how did that come? How, when did you start thinking about having a second location? Yeah, I started thinking about location number two, I would say at the very beginning of this year. And honestly, a lot of me thinking about a second location came from you guys building out your first location. <laughs> you missed it. <laughs> I did. You guys were talking about the construction team and the planning and the architect oh, plans man. and all that kind of stuff. And you were going through your build outs and you make it sound like it's that. cute. I was oh going to say, you kept saying that when we were doing it, yeah. you're like, I miss it. I miss and I was this. like, why? Yeah. This is, this is not oh my watching God. you guys Ideal. put your storefronts together. I was like, I miss this so much. Like I missed that feeling watching my first storefront come to life was such like a fun, I mean, yes, stressful as all get out, exhausting as all get out. It was out. like a plague. I prayed it away. Do oh you want to do my next one for me? Oh my gosh. It was, I mean, it was really hard, obviously, and it was super exhausting, but I loved it. Like knowing that I was the person that was kind of making all of that happen and that it was like my dream. And maybe it is the fact that I had to wait so long and so many things hadn't gone right for me. I mean, like, getting denied for loans, not being able to find the right building, signing an LOI, and then that space falling through to then end up in the space that I'm in now. Like, so many roadblocks did show up that delayed that gratification of having my first storefront that when I finally got to the point of it actually happening and then being able to see the daily difference in the construction and making the decisions of what do I want for my lights and what do I want for the walls and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. It was just so rewarding to watch it come together. So watching you guys build yours out, I was like, oh, man, I really miss that. So then I was like, I think I think I could be ready for another one. Like if I feel that way, if I miss it that much, maybe I could be ready for a second one. Dude, my nervous system is shot from the first one right now. Like, <laughs> oh, I, yeah. But I mean, it was a year after. And yeah. Oh, your second one. I feel like you learned so much from the first. It's oh, my like, gosh. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason now that I'm like so excited for the second one is because then I got to the first one. I literally did not really care what the interior looked like. Like, I did not have a big vision. I'm not an interior designer girl either. Like, I just don't have an eye for that kind of stuff. So I just kept saying, like, just get the walls up, get a coat of paint on that thing. I'll make the improvements as I go. Like, my goal was not to have, like, a perfect, pristine storefront when I first opened because I didn't really have, like, a good, solid vision for it. Like, I had a good enough plan, but I didn't have a solid vision around what I wanted it to look like and feel like in there. Um, and so I think the second one is exciting, because now I have more of the capacity and the energy to build it to be that space. I can make it more of, like, my dream smoothie shop and make Ooh. it look really nice and have it be, like, a homier, cozier oh, feel I can't to wait. a shop. What advice would you have for yourself looking back after you've gone through all of this, before you started your journey? I think my biggest advice or like the thing that has overall helped me, so like the thing that I would reinforce in myself 
is to trust your gut and to trust yourself. Because I think that that's what's gotten me here. That's what's gotten me to story number two is trusting my gut. Like I had that deep feeling, even looking for number two, like it was always something when I was telling people, I think I'm ready for number two, especially people would ask like, how do you know? I'm like, there's just something in my gut that is telling me that now is the right time. Like I need to go do it. So then I just had to like take the leap of faith and have the trust in myself that that was right. And it wasn't going to lead me down the wrong path. And it's the same feeling I had when the first smoothie shop kind of came up. Like there was just that kind of gut feeling of, I need to go and do this. So I think my advice would be to trust that. Like if you have a feeling like that, you have to trust it. You have to go after it. And to not let the what ifs control your life. Like you have to answer those what if questions. Wow, that was bomb. Thank you for that. (laughs) Thank you for that final quote. So Laura, where can our listeners find you and the internet world, but also in real life? Yeah, so you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at Beneblends is the handle. B-E-N-E-B-L-E-N-D-S. Yes, yep, you got it. And then in real life, you can probably find me at the real life Beneblends on Junction Road <laughs> on the west side of Madison because I spend a lot of time there. And where's the new location? The location will be in Verona. So yeah, coming spring of 2024, you can definitely find me (laughs) at Blends number two. And Shelby, where can they find you? You can find me at Mickey's Bakes. And you can find me at Tricky Foods. And you can find us at Screw It, Let's Do This. That's it. That's on Instagram, TikTok. Listen on YouTube, people. We're there as well. Subscribe. Give us a comment of some things that you found interesting from today's episode. And... Tell a friend, tell your mom, and we will see you next. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next episode, baby. Bye. Bye.